Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, folks. It is No Filter Friday, January 26th. This month has just flown by. But before we talk about what we're going to have on the show tonight, I really want to send out my congratulations and kudos to the LSU Lady Fighting Tigers. I know they lost, 76-70. to Uh, They were ahead for almost all of the game up until the final minute. They were only down by two early on in the game, and they led uh, throughout the game. I think they got up by as much as 11. And obviously their bench, um, South Carolina, that is, was a a little stronger than the LSU Fighting Tiger, Lady Fighting Tigers bench. But that was one hell of a game, one hell of an effort, uh, something to be proud of. Uh, something that's going to be great for lady basketball, girls basketball. I mean, it was an unbelievable event. It was just fun watching it. I could not get up from my seat. It was like back and forth, back and forth, physical. Uh, And again, um, just uh, congratulations uh, to the Fighting Lady Tigers. Uh, They put on one heck of an effort last night against the number one team in the country, undefeated. and they still, uh, South Carolina punches that LSU ticket. But our day is coming, and it's coming real soon for sure. Uh, and i just uh, very proud of, of that effort. Kim Mulkey uh, and, and the ladies really uh, putting on uh, one hell of a show. The fans in the arena over the top. Uh, it was just an electric atmosphere. If you didn't get to see it, you truly missed something special. Got a great show lined up for you today. Ed Michelle, uh, Inspector General, City of New Orleans, issues uh, yet another report. On an investigation about a CEA, compliance with the CEA, follow-up with the CEA, the way that the contract was handled, ultimately moving payment of the CEA for the land uh, property abatement program, cutting us and stuff from the... Um, fund that they had set up inside the, the city's finance department and then moving it to the Wisner Trust Funds. But that's really not what this is all about. When you read the interviews in this report, it is compelling. It is striking. On the one hand, it's somewhat refreshing that you had a lot of people trying to do the right thing. On the other hand, how easily the system within the city is manipulated and there's not any follow-up. And the last thing that this city can afford to do is waste money. You're going to want to listen to this interview. We're going to start out the 12 o'clock hour with Ben Albright, CEO, Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of Louisiana, Independent Agent Service Corporation. We're going to talk about the regulatory authority of the Louisiana Department of Insurance, historically what has happened with home insurers and why 
we have this rash of companies going bankrupt and leaving the state holding the bag, leaving the insureds holding the bag, and we have this complete and total disruption in the insurance market here in the state of Louisiana. In the back half of the 11 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Mark Shirley. We'll get an update as to what's going on with crawfish. This drought seems to have uh, really uh, destroyed the crop. We'll talk about uh, how deep this goes and what we can expect in the coming months. We'll start out the 11 o'clock hour with Greg Rusevich, CEO of Transoceanic Development. He sat on a number of the committees with the uh, transition committees about crime. We'll talk about the Louisiana State Police and their presence here in the city of New Orleans. But we first start out with Tantron. He's released another podcast this morning, one that I'll call the King Cake Throwdown. And uh, we'll compare our notes as to what cake we like the best. Ton, welcome to the show. No, thanks for having me. And correct on the... the, Are you ready? Are you ready for the throwdown? That's what I want to (laughs) know. I am, but you know, I want to. I want to dovetail. I want to dovetail off of the commentary that you had with the LSU Tigers last night. Great game, but there was a portion of the game where some of the hosts of, of the the game for ESPN had a king cake, and I saw that. they just shredded that cake. Oh my God! You know, they, they didn't eat the damn king cake. They just took forks they, to it and were trying to find the baby. I was like, man, you're missing the point. They did. They mauled it. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, I think state charges should apply there. Absolutely. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) So tell us about the the king cake world. A lot of energy around it this year, right? Yeah, and I think it's – look, it's not scientific, but I think because this Mardi Gras season, this carnival season is shorter than usual – we don't have the, the, the extra time or the, the normal time that we, we have usually to go and enjoy king cake. Some people are very religious about king cake and when you can eat it, you know, 12th night, King's Day, and then through Fat Tuesday, and then that's it. Um, so it just seems like with fewer days for us to buy and eat king cake, uh, people are making runs on them. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, that's a healthy thing. There's usually... When you have something in limited supply for a limited time, you have a lot of craze around it. And, again, very unscientific, but I think people right now are, are very much in the throes of King K craze. What I loved about it, um, Ton, is that um, you spent more time with the consumers than you did with the bakers. And to hear their perspective uh, and the conflict that they have in their own mind about which king cake is the best and, you know, the filling and the this and the that. I mean, it was really almost hysterical. And there was somebody said, you asked them to describe it, and they said, it's like eating a party. <laughs> I couldn't have coined it any better. <laughs> you know, and, and yes, I, I think you can get very technical in talking to bakers. And, and in fairness, I, I can't – I don't want to highlight one specific bakery and, and – uh, go that route because every bakery is going to do it differently. But I think what's right. universal, at least for us here in New Orleans, is that we really love king cake. But what's not so universal is what makes king cake great for us, what we like about it, whether it's the icing. Some people don't like filling. Some people like um, you know, more plain. Some people definitely love the, the more moist king cakes. It's all different. Um, and you know what I wanted to do was, A, highlight you know what we love about king cake, but 
you know, throughout this process, I was surprised that somebody had actually written a book about this. But what surprised this author of the big book of King Cake is that as he was trying to compile the book, he realized nobody had written a, a, cake, a book dedicated to King Cake uh, while he was doing it. So, you know, there's some discovery in this podcast as well. Well, what's interesting is um, a New Orleanian doesn't write the book. A transplant right. does from New York, right? <laughs> Gasp. <laughs> you know, that, that could make somebody clutch their pearls around here. In New Orleans, uh, you know, absolutely. That, yeah. And I think it was it, it was interesting. And I did ask Matt Haynes. He's the author. He, he's originally from New York, but he moved to New Orleans back in 2009. And he's made it a home here. And I think for many people like like myself who aren't born and raised in New Orleans, you know, we, we tread very lightly on certain topics sometimes. Um, but I thought it was a very, you know, brave move for him to say, you know, I'm going to write a book called The Big Book of King Cake uh, in New Orleans and then really market it to, to this city. Obviously, he's going to have sales outside of the city. But, you know, that's that's bravery, I think. Um, and sometimes I think certainly for, for journalists, too, um, you definitely have to do your homework. And I think he did. And I think he takes a very fair and very honest approach to the, the big book of King Cake and what he wanted to, to get across to people. And really, it, it's an homage. It's really a love song to King Cake. And I think that whether you're a transplant or a New Orleanian, I think you can appreciate what, the work that he's put into this book. It, there's no doubt. I mean, I really enjoyed his historical perspective of all of this, oh, going back to the to the days of the Romans in, in the celebration of Saturnalia. Um, it, it intrigued me so much. I went and started doing research on Saturnalia, which is very. I bet you, I bet you very, fell down an internet hole, didn't you? Oh yes, I did. But it was, it, you know, <laughs> it, it was like an hour. I mean, I was just like, you know, this thirst for this information. It was really great. But I love the name of first off the whole story, and I'm not going to give it up because you, you folks, you really want to listen to this. The whole story of how he came to write this book is incredible it's interesting uh the title of the first book is called the big book of king cake and then he writes a follow-up book the little book of king cake which i right. so simple and so obvious right it is and and you're right i, I think his story and and how he became somebody so intertwined with king cake I think it's pretty reflective of most folks here, even though Matt Haynes is not from New Orleans. He has a story with maybe the first time that he had King Cake or the first time that, you know, it, it really set off, you know, this idea for him of why he loves King Cake. Uh, and I think all of us can kind of have that moment, too, of what King Cake meant to us. And you ask anybody, what was your first King Cake? Most people will tell you where the you know, where, how old they were, where the bakery was, and what they loved about it. And I think that's the same for Matt. And when you talk about this love for King Cake, you know, there's so many histories between all of the people who love King Cake, but the history, even though we think it's so unique here, and as you probably discovered, uh, it goes back to ancient Roman times. And even though we'd like to claim King Cake here, there's certainly things that are original that we've placed uh, on the King Cake, the modern-day King Cake, but it really goes back to the ancient Roman times, and you can see kind of different iterations of king cake in Germany and France and Spain. So this is something that, even though it's uniquely New Orleans, it's also quite shared with, with the rest of the world. 
and he claims to have tried 88 different king cakes. I'm jealous. Uh, just to, <laughs> <laughs> let me just go on record. Uh, uh, so, you know, all in the name of research, though, right? <laughs> well, that, that, that was 88 king cakes in one year. And that was before right. he wrote, wrote the book. And he actually visited with 75 different bakers uh, for this particular book. So I'd imagine at some point you probably had a slice or two. So you're probably looking north of, at least for the research for this book, probably north of like 100, 100 plus king cakes. And he features 150 different king cakes in his book. Uh, and I think, hey, you know, this if there's ever a great assignment, that is it. <laughs> I'm going to write a yeah. book on king cake and, and figure out and sit down with these bakers and see what they put into these king cakes and what makes them so special. That's that's a great assignment. Yeah, I got a text here. It says, if you're older than 55 or so, I guarantee your first king cake was a McKenzie's. Um, uh, a, a, McKenzie's cho- a McKenzie's choker, he says. Obviously, this person's not a fan, <laughs> laughing out loud. Actually, McKenzie's was my favorite. And just recently, I tried another one. I don't know if you've ever heard of Nolita Bakery. But they make one very similar to McKenzie's. I think it's better, quite frankly. I just had it last week for the first time, and mm. I've been trying to buy another one for an entire week now. Um, and uh, I was... Uh, deer hunting over this past weekend and and a bunch of guys we bunch of guys all brought king cakes and i tried one from joe's for the first time they Mm. have a couple of locations around that one was incredible um as well and you know it's always good to try you know from a different baker for the first time uh, and kind of get a feel for for what it is well to the person who sent you the text message spot on Uh, As Matt Haynes writes in the book, because he covers a lot of the history of king cake, uh, obviously going back to the Roman times, but more to the modern times here in New Orleans, he says you have to kind of view, at least talking to the bakers, you have to kind of view the modern day king cake in New Orleans through the lens of Mackenzie's. He said there used to be 55 bakeries. Mackenzie used to have 55 bakeries which sell uh, king cakes everywhere. Now they're sold through um, Tasty Donuts. But he said they're the originator of the, the baby, the sugar. Uh, and as the text message uh, person who sent you the message said, uh, it was quite dry. <laughs> so the, the choker applies. But Matt says that every baker, whether they loved or hated the McKenzie's king cake, that was their first kind of interaction with king cake. So whether they wanted to do an homage to McKenzie's or whether they wanted to get away from what made McKenzie's something that they didn't like, it was really their, their first uh, interaction with king cake. And as I kind of touched on in, in the podcast with Matt, you know, I think king cake is sort of like the, in a, to use a poor analogy, it's the first high that you get whenever you have something great. You know, you're always chasing that first high. And I mm-hmm. think with us for king cake, what, whatever first king cake that you fell in love with, you're always trying to recreate that moment. I think, you know, obviously this is all subjective, but, because Mackenzie's was really the originator for the baby and the, the, the different types of sugar and the colors. Um, we're all trying to, whether we like it or not, we either trying to get away from Mackenzie's or we're trying to recapture that moment that we had when we first tried that king cake that we love. There was something that he said too, that was very interesting. And as he talked and provided the information, it, it was, it, it you know, it kind of revealed exactly what he was talking about, that there's a story behind every king cake, you know, from every different baker. And it's 
it's really beyond the king cake itself. It's life experiences, influences uh, that led them yeah. to a certain style or, or a certain presentation or uh, a, a little nuance in the way that they bake or present the king cake, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, when, when you mentioned, you know, Nolita, uh, that, that is also featured in, in the big book of King Cake, they all have a different story. And what Matt Haynes told me that he wanted to accomplish with this project of his, with, with the big book of King Cake, was not to necessarily settle this debate of who's got the best King Cake. It's very subjective. What he wanted to do was tell the stories of the, the love and kind of the uh, thought that was put into all of these King Cakes. And, you know, you look throughout the, the, the city right now, many Randazzos, Kaywood Randazzos, whether it's Dongfu Bakery out in New Orleans East, uh, Antoine's on the West Bank, and now they have another place uh, in Metairie as well. They all present something different. You know, they call, come from different cultural backgrounds, but yet you're all in this mix of what New Orleans culture, Mardi Gras and carnival culture is. And they're all presenting their own iteration, their own ideas of what makes this, if we go back to the Roman times, it's Saturnalia cake, but this king cake. And I think it's fascinating that, you know, we have one singular staple of the celebration for Mardi Gras, which is the king cake, but everybody's got a different take on it. And then you start spreading it around and everybody likes each different cake for different reasons. Uh, and, and I think, you know, wh whether you're a person who loves Manny Randazzo's or you're an Antoine's or you're a Loretta's, whatever it is. Uh, I think it's fascinating, and right now, like we got a limited time to eat all of it. Mm -hmm. no, no doubt. What, but I think Matt is in at a different level, right? Uh, I think oh, yes. he said his favorite was tartine. Is that how you pronounce mm -hmm. it? Yeah, and I've never heard of tartine. He, <laughs> not, me either. Uh, it, it's got to be damn good because he went so far as to say that it's better than sex. So I think I think he's in at a level <laughs> unlike any other. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think if you present and I'm not, an analogy, and I'm not willing to jump to that conclusion that fast. <laughs> sure, you might not be, but I would say, I would say, especially during this time of year right now, Newell, if you were to say, "Hey, is king cake on par with sex?" I don't think you'd get too many arguments. I'm, I'm just saying that. <laughs> No, but another great job of really flushing out, uh, you know, the, 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 the spirit and the vibrancy and so many different ways of describing the king cake and, king cake and the experience. Folks, you got to listen uh, to this, uh, what I refer to as the king cake throwdown. Uh, you'll truly enjoy it. Where can, where can we find it, uh, Tom? Uh, they can find this King Cake Throwdown episode uh, wherever they get their podcast. Just search for the Tan Report. So it's spelled T-H-A-N-H, -H, and hopefully you know how to spell report. Uh, you can find it anywhere they get their podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so on and so forth. It's also on the Odyssey app. And if you go to the WWL Radio website, we have a story on there. You can just click on that, and it'll take you to the episode as well. Great job, my friend, as always. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us. We'll take care. Thank you.
All right, that's Tan Trong, WWL Multimedia Journalist. Check it out, the King Cake Throwdown. You'll enjoy it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let in. Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I want to be fair to our texter about the McKenzie king cake. He followed up, he or she followed up with a text saying, yes, it was dry, but it was good. I just had to drink a half a gallon of milk with it, which I had no problem with. And I agree. <laughs> that was the best part of it. In fact, I would uh, dip it in the milk sometimes and dip it in chocolate milk as well and, um, the other texter saying, if you're 55 or older and your first uh, experience with King Cake was probably going to be McKenzie's, they're true. That's true. It's exactly uh, what it was. And got another text here. Call in 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Archives Talking Text Line and tell us about your favorite King Cake. Uh, good morning, Newell. I just wanted to mention Brennan's as a maker of great King Cake. Strawberry and Bananas Foster's cakes are beautiful. Have a great day from a fellow JP officer. Well, thank you so much. Um, it, everybody has their favorite. I'm not big on the fillings. Uh, and, and I guess that's uh, the thing for me is I, I like the cream cheese if I had to pick one. A lot of them, uh, for me, they just put too much in it, and the cake gets too soggy. And I think there's a delicate balance between just enough uh, and not too much. Um and I know uh, my good friend um, uh, at um, the old coffee cottage uh, used to make strawberry croissants. And what I loved about his croissants was that it was the perfect balance of filling. Not too much, just enough to get the taste of the strawberry, but it didn't make it all um, soggy, uh, which I really uh, in- enjoyed. Uh, and by the way, uh, his uh, his scones are the best around as well. Um, big, 
big fan big fan of scones uh, too. So give us a call, 504-260-1870. You're getting a lot of texts about the border right now for whatever reason. Um, at least 25 GOP governors are defending Governor Greg Abbott for trying to shut the lawless Biden border disaster down. Um, I, I, I agree with uh, Jeff Landry supporting that. In that most recent uh, case, it wasn't about um, the court shooting down the state of Texas. It didn't compel the state of Texas to do anything. Uh, basically, what it said is that it overruled the injunction that was issued by the Fifth Cir- U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, relative to um, the, um, the state being able to stop the federal government from uh, clipping the concertina wire where they decided that they needed access or whatever uh, during the pendency of the trial. So this trial still has to go on. The hearing still has to go on. Um, on on this matter, and we, we'll get to some conclusion. I am a firm believer in states' rights. I believe that the state has the obligation and the wherewithal under the U.S. Constitution to do certain things. This um, may be a good test for where we're going to stand on this issue, because if the federal government is not willing to do it, um, then... Um, the state, I think, has an obligation to its citizens to do it, and that's what Governor Abbott has done. A lot of criticism over, you know, uh, illegal immigrants being shipped around the country. I don't know why. The federal government's doing it. So why is it acceptable for the federal government to do it in the dark of night on airplanes landing in uh, airports uh, to try and secrete the fact that they're moving people around. But it wasn't okay for the state of Texas to do so. When it's the state of Texas in Arizona, New Mexico, California, that are suffering the greatest impact from the lack of enforcement of the existing laws, immigration laws in this country. It makes perfect sense to me that 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 would be done is that they would put up the concertina wire to try and hold back folks and make and put up a, a blockade uh, that the law says that there are certain ports of entry at the border and anyone that doesn't come through the port of entry is a problem it's pretty clear you know as it relates to this issue so i, th- I think that the state has an obligation to its citizens to step up when the economic impact, the impact to schools, the impact on hospitals, the impact to the border towns and their local economies, the delivery of social services in the, in the, in the border states are being significantly impacted. What does that lead to? The request of Texas citizens in Arizona, New Mexico, and California to pay more taxes. Well, why should they pay more taxes? This is an obligation that under the law they're not supposed to bear. For the most part, it's been carved out to the federal government. But when the federal government is not doing what they're supposed to do, someone has to step up and do it in order to preserve the state's economies, the state's way of life, the state's culture, 
and everything that goes along with it. It's no different than dealing with criminal violations made by citizens of this country. It's amazing how we've set up a whole different mindset and approach to this. Nobody has a problem with holding people accountable that violate laws of, of this state, this country, this, this parish. But for whatever reason, we have a problem here. How do we square that up? What does that mean? We, we, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about privilege, right, in this country. We spent a lot of time uh, talking about DEI, critical race theory, the whole nine yards, uh, trying to make one race or ethnic group feel guilt about the fact that they were born with a certain color skin, they were, they were born with a certain ethnicity. And you've heard me say this before. When do we get a privilege of being a citizen? Where's our citizen privilege? There's no class of individuals in my mind that are non-citizens that should have the benefits greater than what we enjoy. Ever. That may sound harsh. But I don't think it's unreasonable. And yes, I understand that that this country is made up of uh, of immigrants. All moms are first generation, but doing it the right way is the way that you have an ordered and structured society. Without doing it the right way, then why are we passing laws? Why are we having a Congress? Why do we have all of this political infrastructure that we're paying for, hand over fist, we're burdened with tax rates that, you know, that are actually killing people? Why why do we have all of that? Why are we financing all of that if you can simply bypass the rules, the laws that are on the books without any enforcement? No one has ever been able to answer that question for me. Why are we paying all these salaries? If Congress can't come to grips with this issue, why are we paying them? And I put this on the backs of both parties. I've said this from day one. And yes, there's a mindset that right now, because we're in an election year, we don't want to upset the uh, apple cart, and we may not ever get to a, a resolution on this issue because there's political value in the issue. You have the same thing going on with Palestinians, pushing the edges of the envelope, making their voices heard, trying to move foreign policy of this country and turn our backs on Israel. And it's a shame this falls in an election year because we're going to make decisions in the short term that we're going to end up paying in the long term. And that's exactly what's happening as it relates to the immigration issue. We're making decisions in the short term where we're going to end up paying dearly in the long term. And, but nobody wants to talk about that. So I agree with Governor Jeff Landry and his support of Governor Abbott. And, and, and we'll see where this falls out. And it's interesting, a lot of the sanctuary city Democrats and the Democrat leaders, initially, when they were down and out in Beverly Hills, 
with all of the costs that I just articulated, they had kind of come to that uh, conclusion as well, that this is not good. This is going to hurt us. We're going to be paying, paying, paying for a long time. We cannot afford this. Well, now that we're in election year, we're tamping that dialogue down. Because we know that it's not going to work to the best interest of trying to reelect Joe Biden. So both sides are playing games. There's no one has a corner on the game playing market on this issue. I get a lot of nasty texts about, oh, you, you never say this, you never say that. Now, I've always said it. I want someone to define citizen privilege. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's No Filter Friday. Let's go to the talk line. Sam, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hey, no. Uh, uh, ironically, I was recently victimized by one of our guests. Uh, as far as privileges, I, that's not my vocabulary. It's like, what, where, are our, our, where are our rights? Your mom came into our country, acclimated to her new country, and built a career for herself. Um, uh, after getting stiffed by Louisiana citizens, my 17-year-old home rebuild, I've had three separate work crews, and then my roofer after Ida. All young men from Honduras, hardworking, they enjoyed what they were doing, all from driving older work trucks. Everywhere you go, you see more newer vehicles, trucks, and SUVs with Texas plates. And these people drive worse than us. I thought we were the gold standard as far as bad driving. Now, relating to my situation, while I was out of town for Christmas, Christmas night, a repeat offender drunk driver, no license, no insurance, no registration, expired plates on the truck. Um, I still don't know if he actually owns the truck. Uh, took out my neighbor's granddaughter's car, my other neighbor's fence, and my uh, 95 classic Camaro convertible was jacked up against the side of my house. So that was $8,000 gone there. Now, he ran off because he is illegal and drunk driving and oh, also wanted for other attachments. I could never find out what he was wanted for. The police would not tell me, oh, that's private information. I said, I'm the victim. He wasn't arrested for tearing up my car. He was arrested for the outstanding warrant. We're not allowed that information. Now, no tickets were issued. He was arrested for the attachment, period. Of course, he didn't show up for his court date. 
And I asked the judge, you know, I don't know what's going on. Uh, they tell me about restitution. There is no restitution. That's just something the clerk of court told me to get rid of me. The judge would know whether there's restitution or not. So I, I believe him. Well, I asked him, I said, well, this guy didn't show up for his court date. That's his track record. I said, he's going to keep doing that. And the judge got quite agitated with me. And he says, what do you want me to do? Go to his house and arrest him? I said, no, Your Honor. The police can do that because his address is on this $20 uh, uh, police report. Now, in talking with one of the sergeants at Gretna PD, they don't have enough staffing to go to this guy's house, two blocks from my house where he destroyed our half of our uh, neighborhood here, they don't have the manpower to go to this guy's house and arrest him for not showing up at court last Wednesday. So they have to wait for him to arrest somebody else to arrest him again so he doesn't have to show up again. Now, he has a track record of BWI since 2013. So this is not one of Biden's guests. Now, if someone's right. never had a driver's license in 10 years, I could put two and two together. He's not in this country legally. You know, like my work yeah. crews that renovated no, my this, house. This, this, individual I mean, we can't, we should, this individual should be deported, plain and simple. And there's a hesitation uh, relative by this administration in doing so. But what you just articulated is a downstream implication of uh, a sector of folks that come into this country, whether legal or illegally, that have no intention to follow the rules. Plain and simple. And, you know, and when when you end up with the overrepresentation of those that are coming across the border in the lower socioeconomic groups, it puts stressors on our system. We're stressed already, and that's why I keep referring back to the 40-plus million people living below the federally identified poverty level that are citizens in this country that were not able to come to grips with uh, providing uh, what's necessary for them to pull themselves out of the state that they find themselves in. It's all a question of priorities. Thank you so much, Sam, for the call. Um, we'll try to come to Bruce when we come back. Got to get to a break. Stay with us. Let's go to Bruce. He's up next. Bruce, welcome to the show. Good morning, Sheriff. How you doing? Good, and you? Sheriff, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. They talking about internal politics is playing a part in the new chief of police. Her name tag was on wrong, and they didn't like this lateral movement of her upper echelon management. How crazy is that? You know, it's a wonderful thing that we have somebody from the outside that comes in not knowing anybody in this police department to try to make some changes for the better. And one more thing, that 17th Street Canal, from Jefferson Parish to Orleans is a heck of a deterrent. They ought to bottle that up. Sheriff, you have a great day. Thank you. I'm listening to your radio. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Um, folks, when we come back after the top of the news break, we are going to visit with Greg Rusevich, CEO of Transoceanic Development. Greg is very active in um, with the uh, Metropolitan Crime Commission. He served on one of the transition com uh, committees for uh, Governor Jeff Landry, uh, we're going to be talking about the Louisiana State Police that are expected to have a presence here in New Orleans during the carnival season as well as after the carnival season. And 
We'll uh, pick his brain as to what that is going to look like. And also in the back half of the 11 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Mark Shirley, Louisiana State University Ag Center crawfish specialist. I don't know about y'all, but I'm depressed. I'm hoping the prices of crawfish come down. Uh, it's pretty damn high right now, and uh, it, the picture, I understand, is not looking too rosy, and we'll find out why. And in the 12 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Ben Albright. We'll talk about insurance. We'll talk about state regulators. And we'll talk about why failures here in the state. And Ed Michel issues another report. You definitely want to listen to that interview. We'll be right back. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 